Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Jokic behind his back. What a taste like, Jokic. your sitter. As long as there are fans on, this is one of the best ones I hear about. So the Warrior fans come in here, the Celtic fans come in here, Lakers fans come in here. So take that L on the way out. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Funded Show. I am your host, Zach Mikosh with DenverStiss.com. You are listening to the Denver Stiss Podcast channel on the SB Nation Podcast Network. It is Friday the 19th, and it is a bummer of a Friday. Such a bummer that I, I could not get any co-hosts uh, for this show. I think Mr. Blackburn was willing, but uh, you know I had him on last week. I felt bad making him. Uh, come back again, but that guy is a, a true grinder. But even myself, after the game last night, I just told Ryan, I said, man, I'll just record in the morning. I'm, I'm uh, not up for it tonight, which is probably good, uh, a good thing, right? There would have been a lot more uh, fiery takes, which maybe would have made for a more entertaining podcast, uh, but probably would have also made for much more uh, less desirable experience for me on the Twitter machine, as people call me out for these crazy hot takes after a game. So, we slept on it, and now here we are uh, to discuss all things that happened. We'll discuss uh, we'll discuss game two there for a little bit. I do want to dive into that a little bit, because last time we were on, we were previewing that game. Uh, now that it is past, we are, uh, you know, yeah, we are uh, past game three as well. So, But I want to do take a second to just touch on that game two uh, a bit. Then we will, of course, break down last night's game, game three. Uh, Nuggets lose 118-108. Fall two games to one in the series. That is a place that is not unfamiliar for Denver Nuggets fans. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then, of course, we will preview game four. Paul Millsap says the Nuggets will win. Uh, he is confident. I am not as much. But we will uh, we'll get into that. So let's, uh, let's not delay. Let's go back. Let's go back to game two um, real quick because... I mean, it was it was exactly what we had seen in game one, right? For for three quarters, or about well, about two and a half. It was about the five minute get, uh, mark of that third quarter when the Nuggets finally got things turned around there. But I mean, for for the better part of the game, what we saw was exactly what we had seen uh, in game one, which is that Denver just flat out could not make shots. And then, of course, we all know what happens. Jamal Murray catches fire. Uh, puts 21 points up in a quarter and leads the team to a win. And I thought, you know, I was on the radio, I was on Mile High Sports, shout out to uh, Sean Walsh and Mark Jackson. Uh, you can hear me on there every Wednesday morning at 7.30. Uh, those guys are on Monday through Friday every morning. Um, you know, I told them, I said, I really feel like that the the Nuggets have kind of made it, they, this should get them over the hump in terms of their shooting. They, they, you know, they finally found the rhythm, they kind of got that monkey off that back, they can... They can take a breath 
and and that I think is really all they needed to do is just kind of get back into a little bit of a comfort level. And, and I think we saw that in Game Three. I, they certainly shot the ball well, particularly from three point land, but um, it didn't translate into a win. I think the other things that make me a little bit nervous coming out of Game Two was that obviously the Will Barton thing, which we saw again in Game Three, but. I mean, also, I think something that we missed that was really noticeable in Game 2 was that Mason Plumlee is just struggling. I think he only played something like, you know, eight minutes or something in that game because he was just, you just couldn't go with him anymore. I mean, there was the offense, uh, the Spurs have really, really figured out how to contain this offense when Jokic is off the floor. And, and you know, the whole idea of, of Mason Plumlee being like this sort of Jokic light who can, you know, who can... Um, do a lot of the similar things and you don't have to change up your offense entirely. Like I think we're seeing right now, like that's when, when a team is focused, when a team is uh, locked in and is playing every possession with the type of intensity that you see in the playoffs, like it's that, that whole theory about Plumlee just kind of falls on its face. I mean, they, they dared him to do, you know, to do anything with the basketball in his hands. And, and most times it, um, it did not result, you know, in great, uh, great possessions for the Nuggets. I don't know. The other thing about Mason, man, is he's gotta he's gotta understand that, like in the playoffs, the only shots he should be taking, the only shots, are putbacks and dunks. Like that's it. Like he should not be doing that stupid little hook shot. He should not be shooting floaters from the the free throw line. He thankfully has not gotten crazy enough to attempt a three yet. But you know, it's it's Mace has has expanded his offensive game, or has been working on expanding his offensive game, particularly with the ball in his hands uh, this season. But none of it is there yet to the point. At this point, it's like, okay, dude, well, we can work on that in the offseason, but you need to just stick um, to what we know you can do, and 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 leave it at that. Because I mean, what is he on that hook? He's got to be like, you know, a twenty percent shooter or something like that. It's not it's not uh, a high percentage shot for him, and I, I just don't. I don't know. I, I saw it a couple times in game two, and it just really, it really is frustrating um, when when the Nuggets get into these modes when, when Jokic is off the court and, you know, they're not running that pick and roll up top with Monty Morris and Plumlee. And instead, they're they, so weirdly, like, they seem like they want to get the ball into the post more uh, with Plumlee than they do with Jokic, which, you know, on, on some on some levels makes sense, right? I mean, Plumlee can't shoot outside of five feet. So like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna use him to stretch the floor. Obviously you're not gonna, uh, operate a ton above the paint, but, but, but it really highlights is like, why he's getting in there. He's just not a very good finisher. Why, why are we not giving Jokic the ball in the post? You know, why are we not forcing the issue with him, but we're going to force it with Mason Plumlee? I, it's just it was just a frustrating thing. Either way, though, the Nuggets saved their bacon. I mean, that was a fun game to watch, just because you're you're sitting there, your stomachs in knots the entire time, knowing so that they lose this game, they're going to be in real trouble. We'll get to we'll get to experience that again now in Game Four. But um, you know, a fun game, a fun way to see Jamal Murray uh, come out and, and play the way he did in that fourth quarter. And it's a little it's a little hard to you know to be uh, positive about it because I know what happens in the next game. But um, you know, I. I the thing I said that night was you can never count out Jamal Murray. Now, like, and I say that now as well because I see a lot of people, uh, people whose opinions I respect greatly, but, I, you know, just basically saying, oh, Murray's done, Murray. I mean, you know, they, they, they should trade him while his while his value is high. Like, this is who he is. He's just going to be this. And I'm like, I can't I can't go there with you guys. I absolutely can't go there with you. I mean, we saw in, in game two why you don't count that guy out, right? Because at any point he can go, 
from being just awful to being incredible and and win you a game single-handedly because pretty much I mean he pretty much won that game single-handedly for them in the fourth quarter now we obviously want to see Jamal be more consistent and and instead of these these crazy lows we don't mind the dizzying highs uh, but the crushing lows you know maybe we could just make those the the acceptable mediocres that would be that would be kind of where he needs to get there are and there are certainly some issues that were really highlighted in game three about Jamal I mean he uh, he is struggling on defense he is struggling to contain dribble penetration and it's it's a matter of you have to just wonder if that's just who he is as a player you know a lot of people talk about well defense is is more effort uh, than anything and I, and I, I agree but the lateral quickness is is involved in that too like Nikola Jokic could have a-plus effort out on the perimeter defending Damian Lillard. It doesn't matter. Lillard is going to get around him and, and score the ball. You know, that's that's just a fact of the physical nature of these guys. And I wonder about Jamal. You know, he's never been a guy who we've thought to have a ton of lateral quickness. It was a, a discussion. I remember asking Tim Connolly about Jamal um, the night he was drafted. I asked – it was actually kind of more of a general question. I asked, you know, at that time, I was really struggled on defense. And I asked if he felt like he had – done a good job addressing some of those issues um, in the draft. And, and, you know, he had gave me a very pointed answer about uh, about Jamal and, and, and essentially said, you know, he's going to have to work on it. He's going to have to become a better defender. And I think – so we, I think we knew that. You know, we knew it coming – when he came into the NBA that he was going to struggle uh, defending, especially on the perimeter. And and now we're seeing it and, and it's, it's you know, some of it is going to be pride. And, and I think he can certainly give a better effort and just – I don't want to like maybe that's not the right word because I think I think Jamal's playing his heart out. I really do, but um, he's got to get he's got to understand it better. And and what's I guess what's a little bit concerning is you know this is a playoff series. We're playing the same team you now three games in a row. It's your third game going up against Derek White, and you still can't contain him, and you're still making dumb mental mistakes like. You know, uh, Adam Morris was bringing brought this up quite a bit. Like, in you know, you you give you're jumping to Derek White's left hand when it's very clear he's not going to drive uh, with his left hand. That's not what he does. And but when you jump to his left, then you leave the right wide open, and that is the way he wants to drive. And and we saw that in the first half of that game three. Um, but getting back to my point, yeah, we got to understand, man. Jamal's twenty two. This is his first playoff series. I mean. To, to, to count him out, to make any sort of determination right now on, on who he is as a player, what his value is as a player, whether or not he can perform in the playoffs. Like, man, it's – you guys, we got to, we got to like, slower roll on that. I, I it's I, – some guys – I mean, think about this. Buddy Heald didn't even, like, come out until he was 22, right? I mean, this kid is, is just barely getting started. Now, obviously – the Nuggets. The, the hard part is the Nuggets have to make a decision on whether or not they want to extend him um, this offseason. Just a, just a hunch, just speculation. I haven't heard anything, but I'm pretty strong hunch they're going to extend him um, this offseason. So you know, I I think we just need to take a step back. Yes, he's been bad. I'm not saying that Jamal Murray has not been bad for 11 of the 12 quarters in this series. He has, and I think he's been one of the worst players and one of the biggest issues that they've had uh, alongside Will Barton. But that should be expected. Like maybe we need to take a step back and act and realize, like, hey, you know, we all talked about the playoff and experience thing and 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 how it was going to be an issue. And now that like, but now that we're seeing it, suddenly we're like, oh, uh, 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 I can't believe this is happening. 
know what I mean? Like, like we knew this was going to happen. We expected this to happen. And the Spurs, uh, being a veteran team with a veteran coach, uh, were going to be one of the teams that was going to exploit that weakness more than anyone. And that's what they're doing. So I would just say, to wrap up my game, two thoughts. You can see it where the potential is in Jamal still. I, I don't, obviously, I don't think he's going to become a 21-point-per-quarter scorer uh, consistently. But I don't think he's as bad as we've seen him play for the majority of this series. I think he's he's certainly uh, more than anyone has been a victim of the nerves of the playoffs, and I think you can really see that. I mean, the guy is he's missing, uh, you know, a couple free throws. He missed he missed two in a row uh, last night. You know, went zero for two in, in a trip to the line, which is unheard of for Jamal Murray. So uh, clearly, I think there's some nerves there, and and Jamal being the guy he is, being the way he was raised. You know, I think I think even if even if this all falls apart, let's say the Nuggets lose Game Four and then lose Game Five, go out uh, in a five game series, gentlemen sweep. It's um, I think it's something that Jamal. I have a lot of confidence in his ability to build off of that negative and turn it into a positive uh, because of who he is as a person. So I'm I'm just trying to say, listen, maybe maybe when it comes to um, when it comes to you know. Counting out Jamal, maybe we should just slow our roll there uh, a little bit and be happy that, you know, he was the hero of game two, no doubt. And uh, we don't have a hero of any other game yet. So, uh, and really, honestly, outside of outside of um, Nicole Jokic and, and Gary Harris, I guess, because um, Paul Millsap finally had a bad game last night. But uh, outside, you know, those two guys, uh, sorry about that email there. I should probably close this. Uh, outside of those two guys, they... Um, they really haven't had a hero of a game or really even had people play consistently well throughout the series. So, uh, you know, give credit for Jamal. Yes, he's been bad, but he is the reason that the Nuggets are still in this series. So, uh, you gotta, you, in some cases you have to take the good with the bad because the good was really good. It was really needed and really in the moment, uh, and timely. So, um, like I said, let's just slow our roll maybe there on, on Jamal a little bit. Let's talk about Will Barton though. I, uh, I was not an advocate of benching Will Barton for game three. I felt like it would have been too premature. I felt like it's it, it was an indication. It would be, especially coming off of a win, an indication that, that your team is um, is basically being outcoached, being outplayed, and that you are you know scrambling uh, to find a way to stop it. There really, I didn't feel like it was a ton of need to do that in Game 3 because Game 3 wasn't a must-win. I mean, it just wasn't. They could, Nuggets could afford to drop that game like they did. They're still in the series. Uh, they win Game 4, and, and we're, well, now it's a three-game series, and we're probably going 7, um, which would be played in Denver, and you have to kind of like, you had to like the Nuggets' chances in that scenario. So um, now that you're in Game 4 and you, you're down two games to one and you flat out, I mean, you can't, you can't lose this game, uh, otherwise, otherwise you're going to be in, in uh, an incredibly tough uh, position. We've we've seen it more more often, I think, in the uh, in the recent years of a of a team beating um, beating another team after being down three games to one. But it's not it's not a scenario that you want uh, to be in by any means. So this is very close to a must win. So at this point. Yeah, you know, I'm an advocate. I would, I would put, I wouldn't, I wouldn't completely bench Will Barton. You know, not, not a, not a J.R. Smith against the Spurs, uh, whatever it was, ten or so years ago, twelve years ago, something like that, uh, where, where Coach just, Coach Carl just completely benched him, and, and 
you know, played someone else. By the way, the guy who played was Anthony Carter. Had a big game in that game five, and uh, you know, we all know what happened after that. So these these playoff failures and substitutions can have lasting lasting consequences. So you you got to be you know you got to be careful with them. But at this time, you're you're kind of out of time on waiting. And so I mean, I look at Will and the way uh, the way he's playing, and it's just like, man, you gotta. Even, even if it's just for his sake, like, you've got to do something different. You can't keep throwing him out there like this and hoping that he's just going to go ahead and, uh, you know, and, 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 and figure it out. It's, I mean, everybody has the faith in Will and, 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 and his confidence, but um, at some point, like, you gotta you got to figure, okay, maybe i got to do something else to give this guy a boost. And maybe it is putting him on the bench. You know, maybe even though he might be pissed off about that and, and he'll be, you know, it'll be sort of a slap to his face or that might be the way he interprets it. That might be what motivates him. You know, Will's a guy who has been doubted throughout his career uh, and has risen every single time. So maybe that's what it what it, what it takes. Maybe that's what gives him the juice um, to get it going. I think you still have to play him and and see what he does. Uh, you know, because he's he's playing decent defense. Um, he's not making a bunch of stupid fouls. You know, he's. Getting to the rims sometimes, it's the, the Spurs are just packing the paint, so it's really tough for anybody to get to the rim uh, against them in the series. But you know, he's 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 you can see when his shots not fall from outside, he's trying to make the effort to do something different. That being said, I do think he is in his head, uh, uh and, and he's um, thinking too much about it. And so, again, I mean, maybe you just maybe putting him on the bench just gives him the uh, the uh, you know, I don't give a you know what. And um, and that's what he needs to get ahead. So I, I think the Nuggets should uh, probably do that because they've got to do something different with Will. I mean, Game Three was just was just another just atrocious. And the thing, man, about some of these shots, it's like he's not even getting close. You know, he's going off the side of the backboard, and it's or he's getting he's barely. I mean, he almost had a wedgie um, in that game last night because he. <laughs> I mean, he just isn't isn't coming anywhere close. You know, it's in his head. You know, Will Barnes a way better shooter than that, and and you got to figure that out. Uh, that was a huge issue, obviously, for them. It's been a huge issue for them all series. It showed itself again in Game Three, not being able to get anything out of Will Barton. Um, but going back to Jamal Murray, man, I think that was the biggest concern in Game Three. Uh, let's talk about Derek White. My God, like, can we not let that guy drive right, please? It was, and they they finally figured it out. I mean, clearly that was uh, the talking point number one. Uh, at halftime after White puts up 26 points on you in the first half, and then he doesn't score at all in the third quarter. Because why? Because they absolutely denied his right hand and forced him to go left. And he can't do anything going left. He can't do anything going left. He's just, I mean, he's like, he's, you know, uh, I mean, all NBA players have have some um, skill with their offhand, but he's one of those guys who's like, man, he, he really struggles with that offhand, getting around guys, um and and being able to attack the basket like he just it's just not there for him and, and that's fine you know it is what it is but that you can't you've got to know that and you cannot let him you cannot be faked by him and and jump to his left side to try and cover that when you know he's just trying to cross up and he's going back right like you know that gosh it was so frustrating to see that and it wasn't just Jamal Murray either I mean there it was everybody who was trying to cover him. Um, even Jokic you know, on one on one uh, closeout, and that was the other thing. Why are we closing out so hard on Derek freaking White? Like I don't understand that at all. He's not, he is not a good a good three point shooter. Uh, 
like at all. This is this is not something that you should be concerned with. You want him to take three point shots. Okay, he shoots less than thirty four percent from the three point line. Like you want him to take those shots. You don't want to sit there. But what they did constantly, constantly in that first half, they they would. You know the Spurs are moving the ball well, and the Nuggets are trying to trying to rotate and get through uh, the screens and whatnot. And then the ball kicks out to Derek White. He's got some space at the three point line, and instead of being like, "Okay, dude, we're gonna make, make it, prove it," like the Spurs are doing with Will Barton, instead you got Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic or whoever like running full speed to close out on this guy. And what does he do? He pump fakes and goes right around him with his right hand and straight to the basket. God, it was inf- so infuriating to watch. They've got to, you know, they have got to KYP, right? Like KYP. This is something that coach has pounded on all season. Know your personnel. This is the playoffs. This is the third game in a row you played these guys. If you don't know that Derek White is going to go to his right hand every time that he's a thirty-four percent three-point shooter in the regular season, if you don't know any of that, then what are you? doing like what why are you even in this series it is it is the most it was by far the most frustrating thing thing of that game is to watch uh a local kid grew up in colorado springs i think can't wait to see you so you, you root for him but to watch him sit there and, and look like an all-star a guy who's essentially a backup point guard at the beginning of the season looking like an all-star in a playoff game like that you can't have that happen this is how you lose series against a team who's not as good as you you let their players who aren't as good as your players absolutely outplay you. And make no mistake, Derek White has absolutely outplayed Jamal Murray throughout the series. And it's yeah, we gotta get off that. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep ranting uh, about it for a while. Um, other things I noticed in that game in game two, like I said, Paul Millsap. It looked like he was first his first game struggling. He's been really strong uh, for Denver. In these first two games, you could argue. I mean, it's, I think it's between him and Gary Harris that through game, the first two games, um, you could argue he was the best. He was the best player on the court for the Nuggets. He he still did, you know, he still did all right on offense. Um, shot the ball pretty well. Got himself into a little bit of foul trouble, which we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but just man, the, the other another thing that really really killed Denver in that game was the the defensive rebounding was just awful. And they let, I mean, Rudy Gay had like like 10 rebounds in like the first half or something like that. It was insane. Uh, maybe he didn't, maybe he ended up with 10 total. I think he had like seven or something in the first half. It was it was stupid. And at least three, he had three offensive rebounds. Jakob Pertl, five offensive rebounds. Marcus Aldridge, four offensive rebounds. DeMar DeRozan, two offensive rebounds. The team, as a team, they had 15 offensive rebounds. That can not happen. And I thought Paul Millsap, um, was one of the guys who really struggled when, uh, I mean, as, as you can see, I mean, Marcus Aldridge with four four offensive rebounds, Jakob Pertl with five. Those two guys combined for nine total. That's on Jokic and Millsap, nobody else. Um, and they, they've got to be better. You can't – this game got out of hand in, in the uh, fourth quarter, but the Nuggets were right into it. They were up by 10 at one point, uh, right into it. And one of the things other than Derek White that really, really killed them was given those second-chance opportunities – the Spurs, they've got to tighten that up, uh, and they've got to play better. Otherwise, you know, you, you can't – it's the playoffs again. And, and so it all goes back to the same experience and the things that these teams – are the team is learning right now. Millsap, though, should know this. Um, you cannot give extra opportunities to a team in the playoffs. They're too good. 
their their execution is too crisp their their focus is laser sharp at this point like you cannot give them those extra opportunities because they will make you pay and we saw that last night um, against the Spurs one one more thing and then we'll we'll hit a break and then we'll look, start looking towards game four a little bit uh, the refereeing man look I don't I'm not gonna blame this game on the refs I'm gonna blame this game on the inability to uh, defend Derek White the inability to control the glass uh, and the other things I've said. But my gosh, I, like a 15 free throw disparity, you know, that's, come on, like 32 free throws to 17. Now, some of that, I will give, some of that is is the fact that the Spurs were being aggressive um, and getting to the basket. I also think some of it was that the Spurs were getting a little more leniency on whether or not they were gathering when they were fouled versus the Nuggets. I remember there was one time, like, they called it on the floor, uh, a foul on the floor in the Spurs. Uh, they fouled Jokic, and he was up near the top of the key. Um, but I mean, when they fouled him, he was gathering and yes, he, it ended up being a finger roll, but I mean, I'm sorry, the guy's seven foot. He takes two steps and then stretches his wingspan out all the way. He's going to get there from the top of the key, but it didn't, you know, it didn't count. It was a, it was a, uh, side out of bounds and, and that was just that side of sort of thing. I started to notice a lot and it, they also, the timeliness of the fouls was really, really hurt the Nuggets anytime they seem to like maybe get a stop but like I said this this game wasn't uh out of hand until about midway through the fourth and, and in the beginning I think of that fourth um every time the Nuggets really uh would get it you know get a bucket on their end and then try and come back and get a stop it seemed like that's when they were getting called for fouls and just momentum killers they got into the I'm pretty sure Spurs got into the bonus pretty quick uh in the fourth quarter and that pretty much uh, kind of salted it away for Denver, and I, like I said, I'm not going to blame the refs because um, that's not the reason they lost. The thing that I will say about this too is, though, if you're only going to get, and I said this in the recap, if you're only going to get um, 17 free throw opportunities in a game, you better hit more than nine of them, right? Like, what on earth? And again, this comes back to like the uh, uh, the inexperience of the of the team in in the playoffs, and you can tell that they're in their head because the Nuggets are obviously better than a 53 percent free throw shooting team, but they have been so bad all series long at this. And it's one of those things you can just tell they're in their head on it. Um, they got to figure that out, man. They've got, they've got to figure out how that they can do a better job at the free throw line and, and drawing fouls. Like, listen, you've got, you've got, if the Spurs are going to pack the paint every time, then you're going to have to go in there sometimes and try and get some contact uh, and try and get a foul. Like they can't just let the fact that, that, you know, they're going to give the Spurs are going to give Will Barton uh, the three point ball, or that the Spurs are going to double down anytime you try and get an entry pass to Jokic. You can't just let that be, oh, well, I guess we, we have no choice. All we're going to do is just shoot jumpers, uh, and we're not going to attack the rim. Like, you, you still have to do that. And in a way, you can make it more difficult for a team to pack the paint is to get their bigs into foul trouble by, or to pack it, right? Is you can attack the paint, pack, attack. Ugh, that's a rough one. Um, you can attack the paint while they pack the paint and get some fouls on their bigs. And then suddenly it's going to be much harder for them to just clog up the lane. And and that's, I mean, the, the Nuggets are just going to have to do that. And, and I, to Will Barton's credit, I thought he was one of the guys who at least in some points in the game was, was trying to do that. You know, him and, and Gary Harris really seem to be like the only two guys um, who are attacking the basket at all. Everybody else is just shooting jumpers. And that's another thing that you've got to, you're going to have to stop that. You're going to have to. Uh, you're going to have to do better if you plan on winning this game and winning this series. 
All right, let's hit a break, and then when we come back, we will uh, we'll go ahead. We'll look forward to Game Four, uh, and I'll tell you where I think the Nuggets will be. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. into the Pickaxe Punish show. Zach Mikosh flying solo on this one. We spent the first half of the show <sighs> wrapping up game three. Got a little, little, little bright spot there talking about that fourth quarter in game two, but mostly just wrapping up game three and the loss there. Now we turn uh, turn to game four. Paul Millsap has already said the Nuggets will win, uh, which you, you, want, you want that out of your veteran. Uh, who's been there before you? If he doesn't have confidence, nobody will. So that, that I really, really liked that uh, that that move by Millsap for him to come out there and have that confidence. You know that that's something I think the rest of these young guys can feed off of and say, "Hey, Millsap says we got this. Yeah, we got this. Let's go 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 ahead and take care of it." Um, I'm <laughs> I'm a little bit less confident in, in their chances, and it's because it's total nug life. Um, I said this in the in the recap, you know, the in the ten years the Nuggets went to the playoffs, uh, there in the two thousands, seven times they went into Game Four down two games one. The only the only three was the the first year in 03. Uh, that's back when they still played five game series. I think that was that was the very last year they played a five game series in the opening round. Obviously, oh nine um, when the Nuggets got to the Western Conference Finals, and then in how would that be? 2011, I think. No, that was that was the Thunder. 2012, the shortened season. Uh, Nuggets played the. No, never mind. I'm I'm totally off base here. Two, I'm thinking of the other Lakers series. It was 2008. 2008 when they were swept, swept by Los Angeles in four straight. There we go. Got a little confused. All the other seven times, they went down two games to one, and were not able to recover. They in fact they lost game four. Uh, in every single scenario, the only time, 2012, the shortened season, 
that they were able that was the only time they were able to actually push it past um past game six and they got they got the Lakers to game seven actually almost had a chance there Al Harrington was lighting it up cheeseburger uh, <laughs> I miss Al Harrington um you know that was the that was the uh last time they pushed it to a game seven when they got into this scenario almost won it and then ended up losing uh late they only pushed it to game six I believe twice I can't I think I can't I can't remember if they pushed the Clippers to six or not. I know that they pushed the Warriors to six in 2013. They pushed the Jazz to six in what was that, 2010. Um, otherwise, both, both times against the Spurs, this has happened twice against the Spurs in that run, uh, lost in five games. I think they lost that Clippers series in five games. And I think they also lost the Thunder series in five games. Uh, you guys can fact check that if you want. I'm not going to. Um, but the point being. <laughs> As a Nuggets fan who, who you know, who's most, the vast majority of, of my experience with the Nuggets in the playoffs is is that, that run in the 2000s. I mean, otherwise, you know, obviously it was 94. Uh, they got swept in 95. That's pretty much it. Those are the only other two playoff series I, I can remember watching the Nuggets in. So, you know, it, it's kind of ingrained, I think, in a lot of Nuggets fans' heads that, like, man, this is that already just being down 2-1 is pretty much okay this is it like we're done like and i get it i get it because this is god i hate game fours i hate game fours going into them get down two games to one i will be an absolute nervous wreck um during that entire game i think i signed up for the recap i might have to bow out for that uh shout out to ryan blackburn who uh you know picked up the preview for for game three he was like yeah i got this and then he's like, oh, guys, uh, am I supposed to be writing a recap for the... <laughs> he tells us this like halfway through the first quarter. Uh, but that's okay. I got you guys. I took care of it. We uh, we still managed to recap that game for you. But um, I lost my train of thought thinking about how Ryan Ryan was was falling down on his duties. Um, but, I'll, oh, yeah. So, I mean, I'll be a total mess. I... I... I was a pretty, I was a pretty big mess in game two because obviously if you that that is a scenario I'm not used to. The Nuggets rarely have home court uh, for the first two games of a, of a series, but they did. And uh, going down 0-2 uh, at home would obviously be a, a very very difficult to come back from. We've seen it in the past a couple times, but not by the Nuggets, but by other teams. Uh, but very difficult. So I was a nervous wreck in that one. I'll definitely be a nervous wreck because I, I'm, I'm very much of the opinion that if you go down three one. Uh, you're done. Uh, even even with the Nuggets having you know two games at home, I could see them winning Game Five at home. Um, but if you lose Game Four, you have to win Game Six. In you have to win an elimination game um, in San Antonio. That's going to be incredibly hard to do uh, for a young team who hasn't won in 14 straight. What would be then 15 straight uh, attempts in that building. So. It is, it is just so absolutely crucial that they get this this win against Game 4. Like I said, I think that you maybe... It's time to make adjustments. Um, this lineup. I didn't feel like you really need to make adjustments after Game 1. Even though you win Game 2, I didn't really... You know, they didn't play that great, but still, I didn't feel like you needed to make adjustments. Because the adjustment simply was, hey, guys, we need to start making our shots. Right? Like, we, we if, if we hit anything better... If we hit, like, 30% of our free threes in Game 1, we win that game. Um... If they had shot just decent in Game 2, they would have never been in a situation where they needed Jamal Murray to go off in the fourth quarter uh, to win that game for him. The thing, though, in Game 3, they shot they shot it pretty well, especially from three-point land. I think they were 50%. Um, and still and still take the loss. It was clear on this one that the, the, the loss came from the, the lack of defense and the inability to stop 
uh, the penetration and the, and the offensive. That's all the things we talked about. Um, those are things you got to adjust for. You know, there's, it's really hard to adjust to make better shots. I mean, you, you basically, maybe guys got to get up more shots in the gym. Uh, maybe they need to go meditate, whatever they need to do to get their head right. But uh, that's basically all you can ask of them to do, right? There's no way you can make any adjustment. It's not like they were they were putting up a bunch of shots with a hand in their face. They, they were just missing open shots. So you can't make a ton of adjustments uh, to correct that. You just got to hope that, you know, that this statistical anomaly will swing the other way and, um, and you'll be fine. And I think we saw that in game three. But now, okay, Jamal Murray can't stop Derek White. That's an adjustment you're going to have to make. Um, and, and DeMar DeRozan, too, he had a huge, he had a huge third quarter. And, and then Will Barton. Now at this point, like you, 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 like I said, you can't really make an adjustment to make him shoot better, but you can make an adjustment to make your team be in a better position by pulling him um, from your starting lineup, which I do think they should do. I just think you know, we can't we can't be worried about hurt feelings at this point. And in and with Will, you know, like I said, he he's the kind of guy who who might take a personal and it might and it might actually make him um, snap him out of his funk. And I think the other thing that I, I mean, a lot of people, so we know Malik Beasley has been shooting really well. He's been one of the most consistent guys throughout the series, maybe the most, um, consistent player throughout the series. It's either, you know, him or Jokic or Gary Harris, but, uh, a lot of people want to see Malik Beasley start. And I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily, um, oppose that idea. I think, I think Malik Beasley gives them, uh, gives them another, another shooter, obviously that, which they can really, benefit from he'll obviously have some more length uh or, or similar length to will barton he's got the athleticism but let's like let's not be let's not be fool ourselves here malik Beasley's is not a great defender i mean he's just not that's not his that's not where he's at his best so i don't know that putting in malik um makes makes it all that better it will it will prevent i think the spurs from packing the paint as much because I, as we're seeing they're pretty much giving barton the three now and, and daring him to shoot it. So you can't dare Malik Beasley to shoot that three as he's shown throughout the series that he will knock that down. But you know what? There's another guy who has um, for a couple months now shown that if you're going to give him that shot, uh, he's going to knock it down. And he, and, and this guy is, you know, is actually a very good defender and that's Tory Craig. And, and I honestly, if I'm making, if I'm coach and I'm making the adjustments, that's the adjustment I'm making. I'm putting Tory Craig in the starting lineup. Uh, I'm shifting, I'm sh- shifting Jamal Murray on on to Brent Forbes and then either Tory Craig or Gary Harris is going to be on DeMar DeRozan and the other one's going to be on Derek White like that's that's the adjustment I would make because those are the two guys that are killing you right now in this series and that killed you um in game three I mean LaMarcus Holdridge has, has been been solid he's getting his but but I really like the way Jokic and, and Millsap have defended him I thought they've really made really made him work um, for his points, it's been DeRozan and White, who I really felt like, especially in Game Three, was just like, man, we're giving we're giving these guys anything, anything they anything and everything they want. So I, I honestly think you take your two best perimeter defenders in Harris and Craig, and you stick them out there on those two guys, and say somebody else is gonna have to beat us. Like we're not gonna let these guys beat us. And and with Derek White, I think you could absolutely do that. Like I. I am not buying. I've seen people say that Derek White is a better player than Jamal Murray. That's nonsense. Uh, I've seen people, you know, act like you know, Derek White is going to be the star player. That's nonsense. Like Derek White is a, is a is a is a good role player. Don't get me wrong. He's 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 been excellent in the series. Uh, he's filled in very well uh, as a starting point guard this year for the Spurs. But Derek White is is a good role player, and that's what he is. Like you can contain him if you put a really stingy defender on him. If you deny his right hand. You will contain him. 
DeMar DeRozan's a little bit tougher, man. Like, uh, that guy, outside of maybe James Harden, that guy's got to be probably the hardest uh, hardest dude to keep from fouling when he's on, on a drive, right? Like, he... Uh, and he does not miss free throws. I don't know if he's missed one. Uh, he probably has, but he has not missed very many in this entire series. So he's a guy where it's like, man, you contain him as much as you can. So you probably put Tory Craig on him and you just make him work, right? Right? Make him work. And now I know what everybody's thinking. Like, well, we saw this at the beginning of the year when Will Barton got hurt. We put Tory Craig in and teams just did the same thing that the Spurs are doing right now on Will Barton. They're just going to sag off of Craig, give him the open three. And um, and still pack the paint. And my answer to that is let him, let him. Tory Craig since the beginning of March is shooting over forty two percent from beyond the three point line. Did you see him last night knocking down every three? Have you seen him the entire series knocking down basically every single three that has been uh, that has gone his way? Last night, two of three um, from the three point line, and uh, two of those were in garbage time. Don't get me wrong. I, I recognize that one of them was a pretty tough shot though from the, from about a good good foot or two beyond the top of the top of the arc. Um, did not shoot a three pointer in game two. Barely played seven minutes. That was one the game. Game two was obviously where coach went real heavy on the starters. And let me see what did he shoot in game one? Uh, two of three again from three point land. So Tory Craig uh, shooting sixty six percent. Granted, it's only on six attempts. But shooting 66% from the three-point line in the series, like I said, has been shooting over 42% since March. So if you're going to sag off on Torrey Craig, fine. I have way more confidence in that guy shooting a three-pointer than I do in Will Martin, uh, than I even do in Jamal Murray right now, to be honest with you. So, like, I'm okay with it. And and I think that's the, that's the, uh, the, the adjustment you make because I think you can beat this team uh, in a grinded-out game. Even though that's the way we know the Spurs want the game to go, uh, I still think you can beat them if you just hit your shots. They played a grinded out game in the first game, and the Nuggets were the better team. They were. They just missed their shots. So that's that. I mean, that's the move, maneuver I would make. I, to be honest, I don't think the Nuggets will do anything. And I think it is. Um, it's either the game will let us know uh, in the flow of it. But I think Coach will probably stick with the same starting lineup, and and we'll see. You know, if Barton comes out and he performs, he bounces back. Then 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 kudos to Coach for sticking with him. But if he if he hurts you the way he hurts you again, uh, you know, coach maybe lose. Then you, if you're going to start, you got to get him out of out of there quickly, and you've got to be willing to go to the point where if he is 0 for three or 0 for four in the first, you know, five six minutes of the game, you've got to be willing to put him on the bench and keep him there for the entire game. Like you cannot chance it anymore. I, I'm okay with seeing if he can bounce back. Now, I think you should put him on the bench and see if that'll give him a spark. Uh, and help him to bounce back. But you can't do what Coach has been doing, which is basically leaving him out there to try and figure it out. And I respect I respect the thought process there, right? Will's a tough guy. He's, he's, he's very confident. He's very proud. He'll work his way through this. you got to ride with the horses who got you there, even though it wills out a lot of the season. But I think it's pretty obvious that he's in his head at this point. Like, all those things said, I think we're beyond that now with Will Barton. And I think... You just just sending him out there and and just letting him shoot these shots and just watching him bounce off the side of the backboard like that's not helping him. That's not helping any confidence. That's getting him more and more into his head. He's getting booed by the home fans. You know he's getting asked about now by the media. Like you need to you need to shield this guy a bit. I think I think you need which is crazy to say about Will Barton. 
but you need to you need to shield the guy and 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 try and get the spotlight turned off of him. And I think the best way you can do that is by bringing him off the bench. Yes, it's gonna it's gonna be some some talk, you know, during the game, but he's not gonna hear that because we know what if coach brings Will Barton off the bench, we know he's not gonna make that announcement even in 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 the pregame press conference. We know that we won't find that out until 15 minutes before the game or whenever they start when they whenever they announce. Um, starting lineup. So nobody's going to have to ask Will any questions about, hey, man, you got benched, blah, blah, blah. The only way those questions come up is if you bench him, you bring him off the bench, he's still really struggling. And then, you know, if, if he wants to talk to the media, um, I assume they would ask him some questions uh, about it afterwards. But if he comes out and he plays well, then, then the whole thing goes away. And again, the spotlight is off of his head again. So I... I think it's. I really think it's in the best interest of all parties if if, if the Nuggets do this. I and mean, for me, I would bring Tory Craig uh, off the bench. That would be my choice. If you bring Malik Beasley, I think that's still an improvement. I think you you know you're you're playing a little bit different strategy, which is a more of a we're we're going to see if we can't um, just outrun these guys, outshoot these guys, uh, and win it that way, which might not be a bad strategy. Um, but it's a bit different with with Tory Craig, and and because you have. DeMar DeRozan and Derek White, who we, we've seen both of these guys, the Nuggets just can't seem to contain. Um, I think having both Gary Harris and Torrey Craig out there is your best way uh, to combat it. All right, so I guess we'll go to this. We'll just talk about um, let's talk about predictions where you guys are at. I'm, uh, I'm going to hold out faith, man. I'm going to hold out faith that the Nuggets are going to get this done in Game 4. Like I said, I really like the way Paul Millsap showed that confidence. I think the, the team... Uh, needs that. I everything in my Nuggets history tells me the Nuggets lose this game. Um, but I'll say this: everything we've seen this season, uh, there's a reason this team's the best fourth quarter team in in the league. There's a reason this team has won so many close games. Uh, everything I've seen this season says the Nuggets win this game. Right? That this t- coach talked about it. We're, we're going to see what we're made of. Where's our grit? Where's our toughness? Where's our pride? What we have seen so far throughout the year is that. The grit, the toughness, and the pride are there, and they're very real, and the Nuggets very much feed off of it, and they use that to rise and overcome. So if I'm looking at it in, in, in the singular scope of this season, which is probably what you should, because all those other teams from you know earlier in the 2000s, obviously there's, there's really no correlation. I don't think there's a single member of the organization. I mean, even Steve Hess isn't even here anymore. So, um you know, you really should, if you're trying to evaluate this team, you should look at what they've done this season. And that would tell you, yep, they'll be up for the challenge and they'll come back uh, and they'll come back and get this win. Obviously, this group has never won in San Antonio, so that's uh, that's what they have working against them. Um, why did I, I was just looking at the ESPN box score and they have they have Michael Porter Jr. zero minutes. Not, not a DNP, not an injured. They have him at zero minutes. I was like, and a minus one. Did I miss something last night? Did Michael Porter Jr. play? No, he did not play. Uh, that would have been that would have been the leading that would have been the leading headline. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if the Nuggets could just suit him up for Game Four uh, and 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 watch? Because that would be a guy, man. Even if he's not, even if he's not there, or well, obviously you don't send him out there if he's not healthy. But even if he's, you know, he's he's rusty or he's not really in the flow of the team, if you could just if you could just tell me, yeah, we're gonna play Michael Porter Jr. That would, man, that would, how would you game plan for that? How would you know how to game plan for that? You probably would be like, it'd probably be prove it. I'm guessing which way you'd pop would go. He'd say, all right, we're going to let Michael Porter Jr. prove he can play. Um, I'm off on a tangent, though. It's not going to happen. He wasn't a minus one last night. He didn't play. Um, so, 
I, I guess, you know, if you look at it in the scope of the season, the Nuggets, you have to have confidence will come back and win this game, and then we're most likely, in all likelihood, going seven uh, on this thing, you would think. If you look at it, though, as a scope of a Nuggets fan, like, you got to be nervous. We all know it. We all know the stakes. We've all, we've all been disappointed by by not rising to the stakes um, seven different times. So, it, I don't know. I Like I said, I'm going to be a mess. I... I'm gonna say that they're gonna win. I'm gonna be optimistic that this this is uh, this team will get this figured out, and that, that what we've seen, like I said, this year from this team will will manifest itself once again um, in Game Four. But if they do, it'll probably be a close game. It'll probably be a nerve wracking game, and I might have a recap that is uh, quite emotional, depending on which way it goes. Either way. Uh, we're fixing to find out, right? So, um, I guess we'll cover it. We'll, we'll wrap it there. Appreciate you guys hanging with me. I know it's tough. Uh, I know it's tough when we lose these games in the playoffs, but hang tight. We still, uh, we're still in this thing and man, we'll find out Saturday. Like coach said, what this team is made of. Make sure you guys are following us, uh, on Twitter. I'm at Zach Mikosh. You can follow at pickaxe pundits at Denver stiffs at SB nation. It's all right there in the name. Um, over on Instagram, we're at, at the Denver stiffs. Uh, also on Facebook, make sure you give us a follow and a like. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Adam Mares is on location in San Antonio uh, and will be there for the entire series, at least when the Nuggets are playing there. He will be back in Denver, obviously, when they're playing here. So uh, make sure you subscribe to that YouTube channel. You should be able to get all the post-game, pre-game, press conferences, things like that, whether they are home or on the road. And have a, oh, and of course, subscribe to uh, the Denver Stiss podcast channel. I think we'll have a nice, good Nuggets numbers coming. Uh, the dig is finally getting around uh, to apparently Jeremy Pulley had to replace a part on his lawnmower, and that delayed his podcast for two weeks. I don't know if I see the correlation there, but whatever. Uh, they'll be back uh, here this week, and you guys will be able to check that out as well, so make sure you're subscribed, you guys have been awesome, um, the network has really grown since we started it at the beginning of the year, and we, we really, really appreciate you guys and, uh, everything you do for us and, and for listening in, and, um, go Nuggets, we'll talk to you guys next week. This is-